0: Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peak, host of the Her Podcast. Hey, welcome to our show in episode 461 as we share the truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, her good news. What is the good news? Okay, teaser alert, teaser alert, you don't have to sleep with your spouse. (gasps) Did she really say that? Yeah, I did. This is a great episode and one that I know that, well, I think you're going to really resonate with. Before we begin, please know that this episode is sponsored by Solaray Vitamins, S-O-L-A-R-A-Y Vitamins. These are vitamins, minerals, and herbs rooted in nature. Listen, Solaray has a special gift for women, the new award-winning Her- Life Stages products, providing all kinds of support for the menstrual years, including PMS, through perimenopause, through menopause, and then postmenopause. Yeah, this is an integrative, holistic approach to having a woman's back throughout her entire life journey. To learn more about Her Life Stages, run on over to your local health food store and ask them or check it out at solaray.com. Use promo code HER20 for 20% off on the products. Again, Her Life Stages. Okay, now here's a reminder to click on the iTunes after you See this show, listen to it, enjoy it, because the Her Podcast team just loves to hear from you. That's just the honest truth. All right, it's time for Her. Her, the podcast. The naked truth about women. Her
1: mind, her
0: body, her life. It's all about Her. How about all of us talk about a little issue that we, mm-hmm, you know, complain about, and we're like wondering about, and that is the issue of you're sleeping with your spouse, partner, and there are issues. Should you sleep separately? (gasps) No, not that. (laughs) Well, listen, we have our wonderful go-to columnist from the Wall Street Journal, Elizabeth Bernstein, who's going to tell us all about Her column, which was called Good News, You Don't Have to Sleep with Your Spouse. Now, just to remind you, Elizabeth Bernstein writes the Bonds on Relationships column for the Wall Street Journal, which explores social psychology and the manifold aspects of human interactions. Oh, Elizabeth, welcome back to the Her Podcast. Thanks for having me. All right. Why Why'd you write this? Come on. Was well, something going on at home? I need to know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> something's always going on at home, Pam. <laughs> so, sometimes I get to find the answers I need in my column. <laughs> so I will pose a question out there. I get to talk to the best experts on topics and get advice from them. And quite often, not all the time, but often they are things that are happening at home. And, and this time it is.
0: Oh, well, well, excuse me. Needless to say, I think this column resonated with just about everyone. So how about we dive right into it a little bit? So this is all about getting a good night's sleep. And I think that, you know, it's really interesting when you look at the literature, many times you'll find that couples are paired up as a lark and a night owl. So you'll have someone who kind of blows into bed later at at nighttime, someone else who's, you know, hitting the sack around 9 p.m. And, you know, is that like making for problems there? That's just the beginning of the nightmare. And then there's the issue of snoring, strange noises, getting up every five minutes to visit the bathroom. I You know, it, it probably just goes on forever. So we all want to get a good night's sleep. You know, here I am wearing my aura ring, you know, to check out my metrics for all my sleep. So I'm really curious to understand what this growing body of research actually shows. So what did you find?
1: I talked to sleep experts, people who study this full-time and are really knowledgeable about it, uh, and what they're saying now, and this is a little different than what marriage therapists for years have said, like, oh, once you are done sleeping together, you're done. Like, you are on a slippery slope to divorce and or breakup. But now the sleep experts are saying something different. They're saying sleep is so important to everything. It's important to our physical health, our mental health, our productivity, our creativity, everything, our relationships. We don't get along well if we're tired. And so they're saying sleep is so important that we should prioritize it and we should sleep the way we need to, to get the good sleep. And then we'll be better in our relationship. And then we'll get together for fun times, not just tossing and turning. And you forgot a big one. Temperature. Some people like it hot. Some people like it cold. It's... Oh my
0: gosh. So one of the best things I ever got, and this was on my husband's recommendation, was something called a bed jet. And, you know, each... (laughs) (laughs) You know, we have separate remote beds that are next to each other. We're kind of doing a separate thing yet we're together, you know, it's, it's one of those and the bed jets control all the temperature and they now have smart beds and they've got smart mattresses and whatever. And so you can kind of control your own side of the action here because my husband likes it. Incredibly cold because he's a big muscular guy. And I'm sitting there just like wrapped in 16 blankets. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not working for me. Temperature is huge. You're absolutely, but sleep, I'm, you know, in all seriousness, I stay on top of my little aura metrics here. And um, I look at my REM and my deep sleep. And I'm kind of like OCD about it. It's like, mm, how did things go last <laughs> time, and what was my heart rate, and and how's all that going? Because I wanted, I know that during sleep you regenerate, you go through cellular regeneration. You want to optimize that, and really good deep sleep does that. So let's kind of you know fly off that for a minute. So you spoke to sleep experts. And they said sleep is just absolutely hands down a major health priority.
1: Exactly. You know, it's a major, major health priority. Like you're saying, it it is gonna rejuvenate and recharge us. And, th- and they're also looking at, our poor performance if we don't sleep well, performance in our jobs, as I mentioned, performance in our relationships. We're not our best person when we're sleep-deprived. And so that's the slippery slope right there. Lack of sleep like leads to so many more escalating problems. It's diminishing returns after that. So that's why they're saying like we really need to prioritize sleep. And look, for many people, I think it's hard enough to sleep without someone tossing and turning and snoring and who needs it, you know, freezing or cold or hot or like, it's hard enough without like a lump next to you <laughs> making all this noise all night.
0: Well, you know, and then when we talk about women, this is the her podcast, when women are going through perimenopause and menopause, rut row, you know, now we have hot flashes which, you know, I'm just going to share with you, don't stop at 5 (laughs) p.m. They kind of like to go 24-7 randomly and completely upsetting and impairing the sleep. And, of course, then we got the fans going and all this craziness happening. Actually, it also affects men, too. I just published an article in Nature about this, about prostate cancer. So when guys are undergoing that kind of medical therapy it throws them into hot flashes, believe it or not, because you're driving down testosterone. Now the guys are out there with the fans and the <laughs> and the rotten sleep and the rest of it, and it's just sort of a chaotic mess in the bedroom. Let's talk about a couple. You brought up, I love this couple, Mark and Paula White. Tell us a little bit about them.
1: So they've been married, you know, three decades. They uh, have a very nice marriage, and they... <laughs> They've been sleeping apart for much of that time in separate bedrooms. And the reason is when they did sleep together for the first very first few years of their marriage, all sorts of things happened. I mean, one night he rolled over and like slammed her in the face, you know, accidentally with the back of his hand, like his fist. And, you know, she's yanking the cover, screaming, like, get out. This isn't working. And it was just nonstop they said, and no one could sleep. One was a night owl. One was a early bird. No one could sleep. And so finally, they themselves decided and they did it gradually, but they're going to sleep apart. And honestly, I talked to so many people in my column. This was one happy couple. <laughs> I can Sometimes you can tell. And they were joyful. <laughs> so possibly because they're getting enough sleep.
0: Well, you know, people are, you know, I just want to share that if you haven't had enough sleep, you're not a nice person in the morning. I'm just, you know, being totally frank with you. If I don't have enough sleep, I mean, everything goes to hell. So you don't want to exercise, you eat all the wrong stuff, you know, you start the whole day off on the wrong foot, you're angry, you know, it's just not a good scene. So anything to get good sleep. So what about
1: the issue of intimacy? Well, that's interesting because, you know, again, I think common thought for so many years was, you know, if you're not in the same bed, you won't have more opportunity to have intimacy. You, you know, will sort of grow apart. That these, again, sleep researchers are saying the opposite is true. If you don't sleep and you're that grumpy person, you're not going to want to be touching your spouse and you're going to be curious, if, you know, your partners coming at you like you're just going to argue it's not sexy to be sleep deprived. That's the bottom line. And so the interesting thing I thought this was fascinating because it is a reversal of what marriage therapists have said is sleep apart and then get together for intimacy. It can be planned intimacy, it can be, you know, sort of organically pops up, but, but get, make sure. That's one of the pieces of advice. You want to make sure you're making time for intimacy one way or the other, but you don't have to sleep together eight hours every night to get there. And in fact, if you're tossing and turning for many of those hours, you're not going to get there. That, that's what these researchers are saying.
0: I think that this is such important information because I think people lived in fear that if they didn't sleep together, their marriage was done and that it was all going to be negative and they would be uh, feeling dissociated, disconnected with their partner. And as it turns out, according to what you're telling us, that's not the truth. And actually what I kind of like about what you're saying too, is that a lot of people in general, don't plan their intimacy very well it just sort of they riff and you know whatever happens happens and listen after three decades of being together I mean come on (laughs) you gotta put a little thought into this because you know in the beginning it's sort of straightforward but that as we know that stuff ends after about several years and then it's kind of up to you be a little organized and coordinated here and you know sleeping a bit separately however you do it really forces you to think about being more deliberate about your times to get together. Is is that
1: kind of what this couple did? That is what this couple did. And, you know, there is, you know, the saying, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And so when you aren't pushing the person, poking them, waking them so they stop snoring, when when that aggravation and sort of resentment goes away, A, nice feelings for your partner come up, but also that's exactly what they're saying. If we can separate to sleep, to actually sleep, and then be more intentional about our intimacy, which we probably do need to do anyway if we've been together a long time, we're going to be better off because cranky people don't really connect that well. Well slept people who are happy when they wake up and make a plan to get together and be intimate are going to be better off. That is exactly what they're saying.
0: So I love the fact that Paula is a night owl and she likes, you know, keeping that TV on even when she's asleep. I've always been fascinated with people who do that. Like, I can't, you know, and I'm not really a huge fan of, you know, sitting in front of the tube a lot anyway. And meanwhile, Mark's sitting there, and you wrote that he keeps a fan running at the foot of the bed, and he he very happily wakes up at three in the morning, like, whoa! Uh, (laughs) I mean, talk about two separate lives. But, I mean, that's just... That's
1: normal. That's normal. We all have that. And think about this couple again. They've been married, if I remember correctly, about thirty-three years. They've been sleeping apart for most of that time. But if they think of them having thirty-three years of that, he's popping awake at three a.m. She's got the TV blaring all night. How would that marriage have gone if that, with those issues, you know, a went on and that kind of irritation at each other? But then compile lack of sleep onto that and the crankiness and the, you know, anger of that, you can see how sleeping apart was a very smart decision for these people. And now this couple plans to be intimate, they make date night and which, you know, many of us have to do anyway. Like it's, you know, it's not like that's a new idea and we never heard of, but they're happier to see each other in bed because they don't have to toss and turn with each other all night. You know, the other
0: issue that really pops up here is sleep apnea. Now, in the old days, before they have currently the very quiet little apparatus, the equipment that's used now, doesn't make any noise. But in the old days, there was like this hissing sound and this huge mask. And, you know, the whole thing is kind of funky. And that ended up being either... Ah, you know, the woman's, because it's usually the guy, but not always at all. But it ends up being the spouse's curse, you know, to have to sleep next to that. It's like noise all the time, whatever. But even now with quieter equipment, it can still be a little strange. I think that that's also maybe a reason why some people sleep separately so that the person who has the sleep apnea can optimize their sleep. And then the other person doesn't have to be part of all the noise about getting everything on and, you know, all the rest of it. I mean, did you stumble on that?
1: Exactly. I think a lot of couples talk about that. And this couple, in fact, had dealt with that. Like the mask, the man was wearing a mask and it was popping and it was hissing. And the wife, you know, she can do that exact hissing noise. Like she knows exactly what that is. So if the person who is not wearing the mask is annoyed and kept awake by the noise of the machine. And they're constantly trying to like poke at the person wearing the mask to adjust it. This is, you can see how this is not sleep for anybody. And then there's, um, as I understand it, there's, air that forcibly blows out of those masks. So like, it's just not optimal for either person. But it can be very scary to say, I'm going to sleep apart. I think that that is another thing I heard of. It's it's very scary to say that. You know, what am I saying about my marriage? You know, there's a lot of sort of societal expectation that couples sleep together. Like, you know, that's the way it is.
0: If you were a good spouse, you'd sleep next to me, even though I have that hissy mask going and god knows what else is going on i think that there's like a major guilt shame blame guilt thing going on in people's minds and i think you're absolutely correct so people just sort of suck it up and say oh well this is my this is the price i pay and whatever instead of saying well wait a minute now let's just take a breath because you know as a physician i could absolutely tell you that rotten sleep, not enough of it in rotten quality leads to very serious health problems. It it increases the risk for everything, as you noted, from diabetes to high blood pressure, even mental health, like depression. And so I think it's important for a couple to have a conversation with one another. How do you see people broaching the topic?
1: Very gently. <laughs> So I think very, very gently, because you can think when you tell your partner, I don't want to sleep with you, or hopefully you don't do that. You say, hey, have you thought about this? How's your sleep? You might ask me, "How is your sleep?" You know what? Well, you know, listen to your partner talk about it. Well, my sleep is, you know, not so great. So you want to sort of lead in with that. Ask how your partner's doing, and then lead it. You know, then you can open up how you're feeling, and then maybe say, "Like, have you thought of what might help us?" I was thinking we have a guest room that might be nice. And I think one thing that is because I. People, When someone says to you, I don't want to sleep with you, even if it's just sleep, you feel rejected regardless if you know all the issues and you also are irritated, you can't sleep. So you have to be gentle about this. And I think a lot of people... Think it's all or nothing, but it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You can do this part time. You can do it on you know weeknights when you know you have to you know get up early, or you could do it. You know what? Sleep together all, most of the time, but I've got a huge deadline this week, and I'm going to be in the guest room. You know, it doesn't have to be that you leave the bed now for sleep, and that's it. But you can sort of gently ease into it, as you will gently ease into the conversation. And you said something about using the word "I."
0: instead of you. What do you mean by that?
1: I give this advice. I feel like in every column, I words, we want to say, I feel, we don't want to say you snore, (laughs) you're a pillow hog and you sweat all night. Like, and which is another one with men who are overly heated. So you don't want to say that you want to say, I, you know, I'm having trouble with my sleep and I've noticed I like it colder, whatever it is, but always I words over you words, because that takes away the accusatory part of this. That's very, very important. It also means that you
0: own it. You're just being frank and approach it with great love. I always start with like affirmations or something. And you're actually right. You know, talk to someone, not when they're exhausted and beaten up, but talk to them when it appears that they're much more willing to deal with it. You know, a lot of times, I know a lot of my colleagues have done this, they'll sleep in a guest room so that they can use that bathroom early in the morning because they're taking off for travel. And if they're in the main room, then they're going to make all kinds of noise and wake up their partner. And so we're kind of used to this anyway, just on a practical basis you know, just being very respectful of someone else's sleep. So I see what you're talking about as an extension of that. Does
1: that make sense? Exactly. is It's an extension for whatever amount of time works for you. You know, maybe somebody's going through a health issue, you know, maybe somebody's postpartum, whatever it is, like whatever works for you that you can be comfortable in your bed. Another piece of advice would be don't talk in bed. Don't talk, don't broach this subject in bed, which is always a vulnerable space. Like uh, broach it somewhere else. Like again, when when your partner's in a good mood and well-fed, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> Always well fed is a good I feel like I'm talking about <laughs> my, my dog or something. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? That's another thing. Sleeping alone, that means the dog goes too. <laughs> that's that's a big one. The dogs, the, the our pets are very disruptive to our sleep, too, and we love them so much we don't want to acknowledge it.
0: I know. I you know, I have two German shepherds, and I was taught long time ago when we first started you know, getting them. And that is that you have to remain the alpha. They have to respect you. And if they're up on the same level as you, a lot of that sort of falls apart, like really quickly. (laughs) So, you know, somehow having a hundred pound breathy German shepherd is not exactly my cup of tea. So they're perfectly happy on their little mattresses and fleeces we're just going to kind of do that. But yeah, the dog thing is an issue. Needless to say, the other thing that you brought up, which I just love is something that this couple did. And that is once they made the decision and they agreed upon this separate thing, and then they already knew they're going to have date night and planned intimacy and, and a little bit more of that. They also have rituals. They still do certain rituals every night and, you know, they go upstairs together. You said they kneel on each side of, in this case, Paula's bed and they say their prayers. Then they kiss goodnight and head off to their own
1: rooms. I think that that's so cool. Why is that so important? I loved that because here's a couple, first of all, the researchers will say what's very important is to spend time together in bed. It just doesn't have to be sleep time. It doesn't necessarily have to be intimacy time too. You can read side by side, you can cuddle, you can watch movies, which this couple does. I love what they're doing because I think by praying together, they're bringing that temperature way down. They're like, they're slowing things way down. And they're spending some like significant, almost mental time together. And and it's a real connection. It's very private, what they're doing. And they're doing it together. It's almost another form of intimacy to pray together. But also, they're creating this ritual where again they slow their whole day down and they're they're sort of bringing it to a point and they're connecting right there last thing they do before they go to sleep they're not yanking the pillows and the covers and arguing and you know about the temperature and poking each other to stop snoring they're praying together and they're that's so intimate and then they're giving each other a hug and a kiss and then they're going off for their sleep and it sounds frankly blissful so I can really see why they're were ha- they were happy. I think rituals
0: are so critical in any relationship, quite frankly, but especially in a partner relationship, because I think, you know, as you and I have talked about, and you've said this so many times in your superb column, communication is the glue. If communication isn't happening, I mean, you don't have a relationship. And quite frankly, it's true of friendships and whatever else too. But part of communication is not just words, but actions and rituals that kind of glue everything together and kind of give you that sense of, well, to your point in your column, bonding. You know, you're bonding with someone when you're praying with them you know, when you kiss them goodnight, this is so terribly important. How many people do we know who don't have that? They just sort of, they kind of cohabitate and they don't really have that glue. They sort of tolerate each other's existence to a certain degree, or there's something missing there. I mean, I remember just the other day, it was like really weird. We went out to dinner And sure to form, there's that couple that shows up that barely talks to each other. And of course, nowadays, like potentially one person's head's in a device. And I'm wondering, what kind of relationship
1: is that? I don't know. What do you think? It's frightening. I can't tell you how many times I hear people, either people I know, friends, acquaintances, people I'm interviewing say, well, we're just roommates. We're good roommates. They'll say it that way. Well, we're good roommates. You know, oh, well, you know, are you still intimate? Well, no, but but we're good roommates. And I think that that is somehow in people's minds, like almost an okay bar, but I, we should want more out of our relationships and the communication there is absolutely key. And we, we forget to talk on the phones. Don't even get me started. Like I cannot My biggest pet peeve: everybody's head in a phone. Like it, like blows my mind. But we're—it's hard. These are addicting devices. It's so hard. But we can start there and put them down. And then what would we fill that space with if we weren't staring at our phones? Like if we were talking to each other, or you know, again, this couple—they're cuddling on the couch. They're intentionally doing this. They're, you know, sometimes going to her room and watching a movie, and then praying and hugging and kissing goodnight and leaving, you know, the one husband leaves and goes to his room. They're doing this with such intention. And and that really gets to it. If we can go into our relationships with a little more intention, that would be
0: very helpful. All right. So I got to say the frosting on the cake was when you reported that Paula, you know, after they've had their little whatever, they are watching TV or maybe they had dinner or whatever. As she said, I'll leave the red light on for you tonight. She's got some kind of light outside the room. I'm just, you know, I'm like, I'm dying here. Part of it is it's adorable. It's you know?
1: adorable. This is a middle aged couple. Like they're all of us. You know. I just like, think it's the best. It's you know. Adorable. She's she's you know using it. As, you know, it's just a phrase. Like I'll leave the red light on, honey. Like, and she's using it as a little flirty phrase. Like, it reminds me also separately in another column during the pandemic, I wrote about how everybody felt too schlubby to have sex, and they were just nobody felt like they were at their best. No. Nobody wanted anybody to touch them or see them or anything. And I interviewed a couple there and they were a younger couple. They were going through that problem. And the woman felt like she gained a little few pandemic pounds and she didn't want to be seen. And this was a couple in their thirties and he bought her, he, you know, he assured her, her husband, I you're, love you. You're great. I'm totally attracted to you. And then finally he bought her these fuzzy pajamas like these little like fuzzy pajamas that were not at all lingerie just like you know super fuzzy comfy and that became their little like secret language for one of them would lay out these little pajamas on the bed and it was like again a little secret cue hey i'm feeling a little jazzy tonight you know um there's your ritual there's your ritual, and and uh, you know it reminds me. There's probably a whole another article on like, those secret cues, like because sometimes teeing up intimate time, no matter how long we've been with somebody and how well we know them, can go awry. Like our cues get not quite read right. So yeah, that so the leave the red light on, laying out your little outfit, even if it's just your fuzzy pajamas, all of that works. That's a ritual, and it works. Yes.
0: So the last issue. It's the issue of, and, and she actually mentioned this a little bit. I think she's the one who likes leaving the damn TV on. So in, in my life, I had a convo with my husband. And I said, it went like this. No flat screen in the master suite. It's not happening. Not now not ever. So, you know, immediately eliminated that. So you can take care of that because if one person really wants to watch TV, there's a TV room, knock yourself out. So that's the first thing, but we still have devices. So how does someone really sit down and you know how addictive these things are that reading that last email before you go to bed. And then it turns out to be like the email from hell or something. And you're just sitting there with the light from the screen, the iPad, the whatever, the iPhone or the Android or something in your face. And just, first of all, you're not paying attention to anybody. right. So that's not fun. That's true of, you know, sitting on the couch and you want to snuggle, except somebody reached for their little iPhone. Huh? So, how does all that figure in?
1: Well, you know, you can do what I do, which is scream, "What are you doing?" <laughs> Every time the, that goes really well at home. An example: take my advice. I'm not using it here, but you can have these rules. It's interesting because when I inter- when I interview these sleep experts, I always ask them what they're doing at home. Like, what do you do? Like, how do you do it? And so one of them in this story said, you know, we do not allow phones in our bedroom. Not my wife, I, or the kids are not allowed. I said, what do you do with them? He said, we have a basket in the kitchen and they have to, they stay there at all times. And if I want it, if I need to check my mail or I need to make a call, I go get my phone. But at all times when I'm off work, these phones are in this basket. And it was, it was like a cubby in there. Kitchen. And I thought that was fascinating, hard to do. But if you could get it going, if you could form that habit, that is so huge. Because he, the same researcher, explained it's not just the light from our phones. It's not just the light from our phones that's disruptive. It's not just that they're taking us away from our relationships. It's that they're a rabbit hole. Once we, you know, I just want to check and see what my one friend is doing on Facebook. And suddenly I've got all these ads and now I feel worse about myself because I didn't lose those 10 pounds that this ad wants me to lose. And then it's like one leap. We are two leaps away from now I'm at war in the Middle East. Like I, it's too much information coming to us on our phones that is very quickly we can access the information that's upsetting. The world is a frightening place right now. It's very easy on our phone at midnight to get there in seconds. And so we want to keep them away. That's actually the major reason. And then we don't, you know, then we don't we we don't want to we wanna pay attention to our partners. Well it's
0: not good for our mental health. So just like you said, oh, you didn't lose that 10 pounds And you just, some Instagram picture just floated across your screen, reminding you once again that you have failed. Then all of a sudden you're going down a mental health rabbit hole, which is, you know, I'm a failure. I can't do anything right. I still look like crap and blah, blah, blah. I think that one of the most difficult things on the planet is to stop being so distracted by the devices and coming up with a true strategy. I love the cubbyhole thing, you know, that little basket or whatever it's going to end up being. But I think it's incredibly important to sit down and have a frank discussion. So with my husband, I always go back to, I'd love throwing him under the bus all the time. It's just a wifely thing. So what I taught him was, you know, if while I'm talking to him, he picks up his iPhone, okay, I stop talking. Okay, it's like teaching a dog how not to bark. And you just you have to keep doing that. So suddenly there's dead quiet and I'm staring at him. I'm waiting any old day now. And then eventually he realized as he got the period of quiet got shorter and shorter <laughs> as it suddenly kept kicking in. He learned you know, it's a guy, so it takes a while. Okay. All right, guys out there. I'm so sorry, but I, I threw you all under the bus on that one. But you know, it after a while and until finally all it took was for me to, you know, give him that look. Because if he was eyeballing his iPhone, I was already on it. You know, <laughs> no. You will not do that. And then, you know, we really reflectively listened to one another. You have a quality conversation. I don't understand for the life of me how anybody could talk to someone else, or try to anyway, and constantly pick your phone up. And, oh, no, I just had to check this real quick. No, okay, that that
1: sucker's down. But their hand is on the iPhone the whole time. The whole time, where they go to a restaurant and they put their phone right on the table. Drives me nuts. But you know, keep it in your bag, keep it in the kitchen, and then you have to resist too. So we can give our husbands a side eye and and believe me, I'm really good at this. But what I'm less good at is putting my own phone down. So if he picks his phone up for a second, my partner, if he picks his phone up for a second, it's almost reflex Then I pick mine because we mirror each other. And even if we, he's just checking, maybe he got a text and he's checking, but suddenly in that split second, I pick mine up and now we're just scrolling and it's ridiculous. I've thought hard about, I need to write a column about, how do we really do it? Because it, we can say we know what to do, but it is very hard in the moment to let go of the phone. It's
0: incredibly hard. It's so hard. I mean, let's just be honest. I spent many years studying addiction medicine, working with it specifically with transfer addictions, especially as they relate to food. So a lot of people who are coming off like the big stuff, including alcohol, let alone illegal drugs and whatever, they transfer over to, as it were, legal stuff. And legal stuff is ultra-processed foods, tons of caffeine on and on and then of course then they blow up as big as a blowfish and you got yourself problems associated with that so one of the things that's also happened is you know addictions transfer all over the place they go to work you know you're sitting there for 14 hours a day damn it you're not going home until xyz it's just important for people to understand there are limits and bounds here And the devices seem so innocent. After all, I'm working. I'm trying so hard to make certain that I'm up to date. Er, Stop. There are limits and boundaries to that, which is why I really like it, quite frankly, when certain people say, I check my email three times a day. These are the times I check. If it's like ridiculously urgent, you can actually call me or something like that. But that's what they do because they found that they just couldn't handle it. Otherwise, it's too, it's
1: too much. It's overwhelming the amount of information coming at us. I actually keep a little stick note taped to my monitor, my computer monitor that says stop scrolling. And so I look at it so many, my little sticky notes so many times a day. And I also think of one little other tip is I try to replace it. Again, I'm not perfect, but I try to replace that mindless scrolling with something I do love. So I love to read. And so I've successfully like keep telling myself like this is time away from reading. And that gets me. Well, what do you mean? I don't get to read? Like I better put this down. And then I hack the reading by giving myself goals like X amount of books a year or how many books a year. And so you can do that with anything you like to do. If there's some Hobby, even if you like to call your best friend, whatever it is, if you can remind yourself that any all of this scrolling is time away from something you find so much more joyful, that you will get that same dopamine hit from.
0: I know. And you talk about that all the time in your column, that dopamine rush and the rest of it. So as we wrap this up, so what we're talking about is we're giving you permission to sleep separately, but with the caveat that you have to have a conversation, a gentleman with your partner about how this could actually look that you could actually do some trial and error. That's something you called the part-time thing. And also just a trial, you know, like, what's it really feel like and to have a good night's sleep and, and continue the conversation, the communication about what's really going on here. And then be really honest about all the practicalities involved like get the TV out of the damn bedroom, right? So as we wrap this up, I think it's really important to have a gentle conversation about what we're actually doing here with your partner. Just be honest and be authentic. That's all you have to do. And then look at the practicality involved the TV in the bedroom, probably not a great idea. How about those digital devices and all the rest of it? So I love the fact that we now have options with our partner. And Elizabeth, your column really nailed it. Give us one last nugget before we call it a day.
1: I think the one last nugget is to just be more intentional about your time together. So you don't want to separate, have a great conversation, agree to you know, sleep apart and then never see each other. So it would be to then maximize that time together that you do have together. When we're asleep, isn't our optimal time together. But before bed, in the evening, weekends, whatever time we do have together, try to make that more special.
0: I love that, Elizabeth. And I want to thank you so much for once again being on the Herb podcast. This has just been such a great show. Everyone out there, hop on over to iTunes to rate and review this terrific episode because we love your feedback. And here's another shout out. To our sponsor Solarray, we're talking about vitamins, minerals and herbs rooted in nature. Remember their new award-winning Her Life Stages products. To learn more, come on over to your local health food store or check it out on solarray.com and use promo code HER20 for 20% off on the Her Life Stages. This has been such an amazing her podcast. I'm Dr. Pam Peek, your host and I want to thank each and every one of you for listening in and being such an important part of our her podcast community. Pop on over to drpeek.com to learn more about my work and social media. Join me every single week for another her podcast where you're going to hear from extraordinary, entertaining, and engaging thought leaders like Elizabeth Bernstein of the Wall Street Journal as we share our mutual wit and wisdom for you to enjoy. Thanks so much, and remember that your time in this world may be limited, but the things you can do with that time are not. So get on out there and seize the day. Have a great one.